All right. Well, hey, here's a, if you guys want to take a look at this later, this is the book cover right there. And we've got it, everything set and ready to go. It won't have the white board around. That's just how it got printed. But uh, we should be able to get that pretty, pretty soon. And then we got about six weeks, and we'll have uh, like 5,000 copies of that. So that's going to be nice. Yeah, and you'll be taking boxes home. I think it'll be easier to get rid of this one than the uh, Brace for Impact because I think people, this got pictures in it. So people like this. But we'll hand that out. Uh, we are today chapter 11, of course, and we are beginning to talk about Moses. Uh, this may take a few weeks, I think beginning in chapter 23, or verse 23. <coughs> right, yeah. We got to through Exodus, read through Deuteronomy, once you fully understand the concept. Uh, read through Leviticus so you understand where we're coming from. Uh, but we do have some background information on Moses. We'll read Hebrews 11, and then we will go back and read a little bit about Exodus because it describes Moses. And interesting here, it gives five things about faith. Five, by faith, Moses does five things. At first, it starts with his parents. His par- by faith, his parents are going to do something. And so uh, it, I kind of skip from you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob to Moses, but in between Joseph and Moses, He's got a little verse about his parents by faith. So we don't want to miss his parents acting in faith because Moses wasn't acting in faith, but his parents acted in faith, continuing the promise. And then during this, this, the discussion in Hebrews, five things about faith about Moses comes up, which is interesting. It's not hard to understand when we talk about Abraham. Abraham, by faith, did these things. But when you talk about Moses, what do you associate with Moses? It's not faith. What you associate with Moses is the law. He was the great lawgiver, and everyone followed the law uh, for generations. It's still in effect today. But it doesn't say by, by you know, Moses uh, by legalism or Moses by law, Moses by obedience. It was Moses by faith is going to do these things, and the law is going to come out of that. So in the same sense that Mo Abraham's talking about living by faith, so is Moses, which is to this this author who's writing in 63 A.D. in the book of Hebrews and the audience he's writing to, it is a, a huge statement that they are tending. It seems like the tendency is for them to go back to the temple, go back to the law, and abandon faith in Christ because this is what everybody else is doing. It's more comfortable. It's their culture. They're supposed to break away and have faith in Christ and trust Christ, the new covenant, the, the new deliverer, the, the new way. They're all, all these things are new, and we're abandoning the old, the, the shadow, and going towards the reality. And so this statement that he is going to give them faith is a huge statement to these people because he doesn't say anything about the law of Moses. Now, to point out that chapter 11 is about faith through the law as we have in the last several weeks, uh, they all weren't necessarily uh, uh, examples of great Christian morality or of great Christian behavior or of what we would consider, uh, you know, even righteousness. Uh, But what they do have at the end of their life, at the end of the day, at the end of all their own failures and the failures and the turmoil around them, they have faith in God. They have faith in the promise. They're trusting God. And things always begin... Uh, by faith and and then as you grow in faith as you understand you'll mature and you'll become what we'll say more obedient or you'll become more uh, I guess what we can say is Christ-like uh, Romans chapter 12 be conformed into his image it begins by faith Christ is doing the work and we are transformed into his image and after chapter 11 
if you're feeling like we're spending too much time talking about faith, well, part of it's, it's the chapter, part of it's my technique of spe- spending two years covering an entire chapter. But when you turn the page and get into chapter 11, all of a sudden we're going to start talking about living. We're going to start talking about avoiding sin, of, of keeping our eye on the goal and not letting the weights and the sin entangle us. And it's going to give some uh, actual recommendations, uh, commands in a sense of how you should be living your Christian life. But we've got to first, if you don't have faith, if you don't have faith, and again, faith is not just fairy tale belief, it's based in knowledge. It's based in information. Now, we're not talking about Gnosticism. Gnosticism is, is fabricated, uh, you know, uh, almost like a legalistic system of knowledge. Knowledge is just basic information about God. God reveals himself. You have information. You have knowledge. You trust that information, and he, you begin to trust the person, the character of Christ. With this basic knowledge, you will not understand everything, but you will be able to enter into faith and begin to not just trust the knowledge you've got about God, but trust the God, the person that you've got knowledge about, and you'll be able to trust beyond your knowledge because there's things happening in our life, happening in eternity that we don't understand, but we do have faith in God because we do know some things. If you take away knowledge, you take away the concept of God, and now you can't have faith in anything. If you have some kind of knowledge, you know something. You don't know all things. The things given to us that God has revealed belong to us and to our children. The secret things belong to the Lord. So we don't know everything, but once you know these things, you know God. You can place faith in this person of God and trust him for the things you don't understand. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's what this chapter is about. Anyway, chapter 12, we'll get into more of not legalism, but what our Christian lives should look like. I want to begin in chapter 11. Uh, uh, of Hebrews and read through this and it's going to take us a little bit to go through and I have given you a a sheet of paper uh, of notes of course and probably spend a few weeks on this but it I also have given you this and this is this is where you become you know sketchy and you kind of back up and go whoa what's he handing out this is Josephus's account of Moses this is Moses like you've got your the book of Exodus and the story but then you've also got the the traditions the storyline of what they taught their children uh, about Moses about what their culture thought and Josephus was a general uh, for the Jews in the Roman wars against uh, uh, against Rome the Jewish wars against Rome uh, he surrendered to uh, Vespasian in, in 67 A.D. because he realized the, the fight was futile. He realized the Jews had been handed over by God to the Romans, and he then went with the Romans and became almost like an ambassador to the Jews trying to get them to surrender. He is taken back to Rome as a, a member of the family of the Vespasian's family, the, well, the Flavius family, and is adopted as a son and spends his time then writing the history of the Jews, from, and he basically goes through the entire Bible and many of the gaps, a uh, large amount of work. Some of it's fanciful. It's not scripture, but it is a Jewish general who was a, uh, a rabbi, who was a Pharisee. 
He was a trained Pharisee like Saul. Paul was a trained Pharisee. So was Josephus. So he understands the scriptures. He understands the history. He also was a general and fought up in Galilee and gave up the fight early because he realized the futility of it uh, and then wrote down the Jewish history. We have here, uh, and I'll read through a little bit of this. I got some things underlined, but it is him telling the story of Moses, and there's a lot of details here uh, that we don't know from Scripture. But you do understand, Moses was born in Egypt, and he spent 40 years in Egypt, and that was spent in the palace. Uh, He was, what, three months old when they put him in the basket, and then he was taken into the royal palace, most likely by Hafshetzit. There's a different name by Josephus, but that's just, you know, the way they translate it. Uh, 40 years in the palace, so he was 40 years an Egyptian. Now, you think about your first 40 years of your life. If you lived in this culture, you lived in this country, you lived in this, this academic world, you lived in this, this uh, state, you know, whatever social status you were in, he was in the royal, he wasn't a slave like Joseph may have been. He, he wasn't a guest like Jacob was. He was an adopted son in the royal palace uh under in the thutmose family uh and we we can talk more about that later something happened at the 40 year mark where he breaks with them uh it was a huge break he had to flee uh because they were going to kill him something happened and we can we we got the scriptures we've got josephus uh and then he's going to spend 40 years in the wilderness being a shepherd and it's interesting, as you know, uh, when uh, uh, Jethro's daughters see him and they're having trouble at the well, as the story goes in Exodus, they go back and tell their father, he goes, why'd you get done so early today? Well, uh, an Egyptian helped us. So they see, they see Moses at the age of 40 in the wilderness by a well, and they identify him as an Egyptian. They don't say it's an Israelite posing as an Egyptian. It's an Israelite who's taken on, he's wearing Egyptian clothing. They see him as an Egyptian. So Moses, in all, yes, he's Hebrew. He's of the line of, of, of Levi. He, he's from the line of Abraham. But in all practical sense, at 40 years old, he is an Egyptian. He talks Egyptian. He dances Egyptian. You think of, of, of Steve Martin. Uh, <laughs> you know. But, uh, I mean, he's an Egyptian. And he, but yet he was trained. He's going to say he's trained in all the wisdom. We'll see what Stephen says about him. So, I mean, that, that's, I, again, I, 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 we, you'd want to go back and just get right in the text and read through those verses, which we will, but sometimes you just, you just Sunday schoolize it. You know, here's Moses. He's an old man with a gray beard, went on the mountain, got the law, and, uh, and sat in the wilderness and, and, you know, waited to die. But it's like for the first 40 years, he's, he's royalty in the Egyptian palace, and he walks away from this. Something happens. Spends 40 years in, in the wilderness. Uh, and again, you can just think about your own life and if you are in a, in a royalty, in a royal palace, being trained in all the higher education, in all the military, in all the governmental practices, in all the religious festivities, a lot of religious fe- Moses didn't say, well, no, no, I'm an Israelite. I'm going to stand over here. I can't participate in this. You've got to think that he was, 
not necessarily sold out into the religious system, but he was a participant in the religious system because otherwise it's like, why is the, why is the adopted son or the crown prince, why is he never participating? Why is he always, you know, never can show up for the holidays? So he's in the front and center. Tabloids are writing about him. He's on all the talk shows. Then all of a sudden he finds himself watching sheep be- until he's 80 years old. So at 40, he's a full-fledged royal Egyptian. And then for the next 40 years, he's out watching sheep in the wilderness. And you just got to wonder about, you know, what's his outlook on life? I mean, you know, it's like at one time he was front and center. And we can see, you kind of make that case. And then on the other side, he's on the backside of the wilderness, uh, a fugitive from his royal palace. And then that's where Yahweh comes and appears to him in a burning bush and says, now it's time. And then he's got another 40 years where he goes, he goes back and he leads him out and spends 40 years in the wilderness until he's 120 years old with the Israelites, the children of Abraham in the wilderness. And uh, that's another whole story about his time in the wilderness because that's what you got, the Exodus and then Numbers giving a lot of details. And then he reviews the whole thing in Deuteronomy at, with the last generation, what took place. Again, Hebrews eleven twenty three starts talking about Moses' parents' faith. He's going to mention five things that Moses had as far as faith that he did in life and many more, but they talk five things. And then uh, it does say the people, there's going to be a verse right here, one verse about the people by faith crossing the Red Sea with Moses. Because when they left Egypt, the people of Israel, they had faith. They, they went out in faith. But then surprisingly, you've got silence for the next 40, 100 years, well, until you get to Joshua, uh, silence of faith. There's no great acts of faith by the people of Israel. They come out, and that's the end of their faith. They have no, nothing that is said by them. And you'd think that in 40 years, you'd have something of the people uh, doing something in faith. But it kind of speaks to that generation that he led out of slavery uh, about how, in a sense, depraved they were and ended up spending the entire 40 years in the wilderness. Again, if we were to insert what we could assume God's original will was, if you want to say that that way, is they were going to go out, meet Yahweh on the mountain, and then the 12 spies went in to scout out the land, and they're heading into the promised land, you know, right here. But because they came back and they were too afraid, they didn't have faith, God says, enough. You know, you saw me act and you don't have faith now, we're not doing anything, and they died in the wilderness, and there was silence on that generation. But anyway, that's kind of what we're looking at right here. Let's go ahead and read this, like I said, instead of... The reason I said that... <laughs> the reason I said that is this 40 years, of what was going there's For 40 years, something was happening in Moses' life, and you, you don't want to fabricate it. You don't want to make stuff up, but you do want to kind of get a picture that you know, there's something, this guy was somebody, and well, let's read it right here. The, even the Bible addresses some of this. Chapter 11, verse 23. By faith Moses, by faith Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, edict, is that how you say the word edict? Is that how you say it? I struggle with language. Uh, so right there, Moses' parents, they, they, they saw that he was no ordinary child. And we'll talk about that. And Josephus is going to mention that. But they know there's something special about this child. Uh, 
I mean, they, they saw. So, I mean, what, what, what does this mean? I mean, everybody, listen, if you go I- into anybody's house that they've got a, a, a three-month-old, uh, especially if they're grandparents, they're going to see something special about that child. I think that, I mean, but this goes above the average because everybody would have looked at their child. Well, my child is special. Shows my, okay, I teach school. Everybody's child is like, you know, I, I mean, I, we did the same thing, you know, as parents. It's like, you know, our kid's got great potential. I really, you know, he's going to become this great. It's like, okay, every child has great potential. But apparently Moses is, something's unique about Moses. And we don't know what that is. Uh, Josephus maybe makes something up, but he does say something about that. Um, because he saw that he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were... Uh, they, they, they knew there was a command. Their life was on stake. Because we're going to read, you're supposed to throw all these baby boys in the river. Why did they come up with that? And wh- why did all of a sudden they decide, we're going to start throwing baby boys in the river? And again, it doesn't tell you the, the text. It doesn't tell you the background in the Bible. But when we read Josephus, there was a, a sage, a prophet, a priest that had had a vision or a dream that says this is the time that they're going to have a male child will be born to this group of people and and he's going to destroy egypt and lift up these israelites or these hebrews well it's like now where did he get that well it could have been a demonic manifestation demonic prophecy uh but it could be tied even if it's demonic tied into what god told abraham and in 400 years i'll rescue you and i'll lead you out with great possessions you're going to be enslaved for 400 years but i'll come to your rescue and joseph died saying that jacob died saying that isaac died saying that and now count the years and all of a sudden it's not like magic all of a sudden an egyptian scribe is saying you know i've heard some things and we've been keeping track and it is now the generation for that child to be born and these people are going to leave with great possessions and where's the great possessions going to come from? Us. We've got the great possessions, and they're going to be escorted out. Uh, we need to start killing the baby boys. Again, interesting, because it's like you can go through all of Bible history. It's like God says, I'm going to do this, and then the enemies of God figure out a way that they're going to stop it. And, and, and if you understand philosophically the concept of God who is omnipotent he's in control of everything he knows the end from the beginning and then you say okay right that's a pretty serious uh opponent but uh i think if we all work together we can overthrow him it's like mathematically physically philosophically you can't do that you're not going to climb to heaven and overthrow god uh but they tried it you know saints tried it uh, they, they tried it in the, before the flood. They, they tried it. You can see things being done in Abraham's life. And now the Egyptians are going to thwart God's prophecy. So part of that is in this scheme, uh, this world that Moses is living in, they've got all of these gods, and they don't have a full perspective of Yahweh. Yahweh is just one of the many gods. They've got gods, and Israel's got a god. Their God is going to do this, but our gods are going to overcome their God. They don't understand the hierarchy that Israel's God created all the other gods, if you want to even call them real beings, which I think they are. But anyway, they they began throwing the babies in the water for some reason, and these parents were not afraid of the king's edict. They, They had confidence 
in God's plan. Now, here's where faith comes in. They knew the promise. They knew what God was doing. They knew the opposition. But did they know exactly what they should do? I mean, that's, that they've got faith. And so we're not afraid. Of, we're not going to be overcome by this. God is going to overcome. So, what, the problem goes away? Well, the problem didn't go away. There's still babies being thrown in the river. They're still hiding Moses for three months. And eventually it's like, we've got to figure this out. And they've got to take some kind of action. They've got to take some kind of a step. But they're taking a step, not in full, like, like Abraham. He obeyed and went, not knowing where he was going. They obeyed, not afraid. They had faith in God. But it's like, we're not sure how this is going to work out. They could say, oh, we got this. Here's what God, and same thing with our life. We have faith. We know God is working, but we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know how we're going to get to the end, but we know we're here. We know God is here. We know God is there waiting, and so we just start acting by faith. Not in, We were called. We responded, but we don't know where we're going, and neither did they, so by faith. Uh, they said he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, okay, now we're into Moses. By faith, Moses, when he had, uh, in my NIV, grown up, is what the NIV says. Uh, another way of saying it would be became great or had become great. We'll look at that word, but he'd become great. Now, that is the, the NIV. What does your Bible say? You guys anything else besides growing up? Yours is all growing up. Um, on page three of your notes, in the English Standard Version, it says, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's. Grown up is megas, again, genomenos. Megas means great or large, mature. And genomenos means to be or become. So he had uh, become something. He had become mega. He had become great. He had, it can seem to be he had grown up. Uh, like they translate, but it can also mean become great. He had reached some kind of pinnacle of greatness. We'll, we'll look at that more. When he had become great or be, had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, see, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, if you're the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that puts you in line of royalty. She, he was adopted into the family, so he would be, if he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that meant that title was available, that was offered, that was, and it had to be the Egyptians that were offering. They, they saw that he was no ordinary child. He had grown up. He'd become great. He'd become successful. You are now in line, and he was trained. But at some point, he refuses that. He walks away from that, and it goes on and says this, which, we, I mean, would be an act of faith in itself. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. So he could have been known as a member of the royal family and enjoyed. It says sin, and again, you can call it sin, but I, I, I don't want you to just simply reduce that word sin down to immorality. He's going to have all these wild Egyptian parties. and you know, It's like the sin would just be the temporal world. Enjoy the temporal fallen world in a state of royalty for a while it's like he refused this because he was looking at something bigger so again when it talks about sin it, it, it can mean immorality it can mean you know missing the mark of righteousness uh but in this case i think you can think about this as, as 
He chose to be mistreated <laughs> along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time, meaning for your brief life, you're living in, in, in peace, you're living in comfort in this age for a short time. I mean, you're going to live and die and your life is over. Instead, he saw the people of Israel having this promise of Abraham that projected into the distant future. All nations will be blessed through Ab- the promise given to Abraham. And so these people at this time were being mistreated. Now, he was royalty, treated like royalty. He could just says, ah, I'm going to take what I've got now. But he saw, he saw the promise somehow he knew now his mom and dad could have taught it to him but he's three months old so you know i, I i'm a teacher i've got children of my own uh you, you don't do a lot of communicating up to three months old the kids don't remember a lot in fact like tyler and i we try to you know, like on facebook we've got memories and there's memories that i've got with Fa- tyler on on facebook that you know we get to a certain place where it's like do you remember doing that and there's there he's, he's doing it and he doesn't remember it you know so i mean there's a certain and he remembers, you know, as like everybody, he remembers uh, weird things, you know, that's like, what? And I, I, I could give you some examples, but it's like these random things that somehow in, let, were impressed in his mind. And it's like, now, do you remember when we did this? I did something really cool with you. It's like, no, I don't remember that. It's like, I went out of my way because it was a great experience. It's like, he doesn't remember, but he remembers this dorky thing over here that has nothing to do with anything. Well, anyway, <laughs> Moses somehow had to get a perspective and the bible doesn't tell you how he got it here of of the promise to abraham isaac and jacob who these people were who joseph was now joseph would be part of the history he would have been taught about joseph in fact as we begin exodus the the pharaoh is going to forget about joseph and his people and they, they they put him into bondage because joseph saved the nation well a few generations later they put those people in bondage Somehow Mo- Moses would have understood something about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph and how they did the promise of their God, would have known about their God, but somehow picked up information about the promise to these people and had all the information about Egypt, and he could have had this, but understood this was a greater promise and sides with, uh, the, with God. He chose to be mistreated and they were in slavery along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the guarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, right here, you can hear in those verses right there the author speaking to his audience right there. Because these people of 63 AD that we're reading to right now, I don't need to write the number here. I need to write the number 63 AD on the board for some reason, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a nervous habit, I think, of writing things on the board. But he's talking to these people of 63 AD. He's talking about the past. But the people of 63 AD in Jerusalem, if that's the date that this was written, they were being ostracized by society, by the Jewish society. They'd followed Jesus Christ. They, they were not honoring. Not, they would go to the temple. They'd participate in those, but they were looking at something different than the sacrifice for salvation. They were looking at Jesus Christ. Uh, some of them had lost possessions. They'd lost their p- places in their family, lost their jobs. Uh, and they were, in a sense, ostracized. They are mistreated. And they were looking ahead, and this is what this whole book is about. He's encouraging them. 
don't give up don't just go back because it's comfortable just don't go back because that's the way it's always been just don't go back to the old way of life because everyone's going to accept you you've got to press on you've got to run the race in fact chapter 12 is going to start you know you continue like these people ran their race it's your turn to run your race and moses is a great example right here because he was not just accepted by society he was at the top of the society of egypt and he regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. Notice, the disgrace for the sake of Christ. And that's what they're receiving. In 63 AD, they are disgraced in their society because of Christ. Christ was crucified as a criminal in Jerusalem by this society some 30 years before. And now 30 years later, they're saying, we're following this person. So there was a natural association with, with people that rejected Christ to show disgrace to those who were following Christ. And so this is directly taking Moses' life and overlaying it with these people's lives. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And they can understand it this way. You should regard the disgrace for, uh, for the sake of Christ as of greater value than being accepted here in this Jewish culture because you are looking ahead to your reward. That, I mean, that, that would be the way he would probably want them to read that. You're Moses. Israel or the Jews of this day in 63 AD, they're Egypt, and you found something better. Now, you don't have it. I mean, you've got faith. You've got the Spirit of God in your life, but you don't have the treasures of the kingdom. That's your reward. So you're walking away from what you can tangibly put your hands on, the social acceptance, the job, the, the prosperity, whatever they've got, the, the political standing, the social standing, and you're throwing that away and taking nothing. That you, I mean, you're losing it all. It's a disgrace for Christ because you're looking ahead to your reward. By faith, he left Egypt, and this is when, this is when he was 40, not fearing the king's anger or the pharaoh's anger, he persevered because he saw him who was invisible or is invisible. He left Egypt not fearing the king. He wasn't running in fear. He was running to protect something. He knew that he was going to stay. He'd be killed. So there, we'll talk about that too because it does talk about him being afraid. But it, that, that uh, fear is not like I'm running because I'm afraid. It's okay if I stay here. Logic tells me this is a fearful situation. I need to get out of this situation. And he endured that 40 years in the wilderness it says, how could, you, how could you go from being from the royal palace to 40 years in the wilderness, and after 40 years, you still have faith? How, how can you still have faith after, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to step out and trust God, I'm going to trust God, you're going to expect when you step out to have something there. You know, God is calling me to whatever. I, I'm going to leave Egypt, and I'm going to follow God. Now he's in trouble. I've got to go, and God has got a plan for me. So you go. And it's just like hollow, empty, just nothing. And you're watching sheep. You're now in charge. You're, you're married into a family that you're just, you're not even with your people. You're not with the Egyptians. You're not with the Hebrews. You're with the Midianites on the other side of the desert. It's like, it's been a year and nothing. It's been two years and nothing. I mean, I threw it. I, 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 I was trusting. I'm, I'm regarding the, 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 the future, the, my reward. It's like now 5, 10, 15, 30 years. Now you've been in the wilderness as long as you've been in the Egyptian palace. And, not, and it's like, how could he do that? Because, because he had faith. Because he, he wasn't, in a sense, getting something. 
he had faith he understood something he had a knowledge but he knew there was more coming that he was waiting for and that's right here because of this right here uh by faith he left egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered i would say for that 40 years with the sheep because he saw him who is invisible and that's how the book begins the chapter begins you're, you're sure of things that you cannot see. It's like you, you can't see them. They're not here. But you do see them spiritually. You do see them uh, in your understanding. You do, see, you do know it's out there, not because you're following Tinkerbell or some fantasy, because you know the substance of your knowledge is true. There is a God. He is controlling history. He is moving in my life. I know that so I can see where this is going but yet it's invisible and you can't like you can't scientifically demonstrate it to somebody you're going to have to come in a sense by faith and moses would have then in a sense existed for 40 years in the wilderness by faith knowing something is happening now again you don't want to get into self-delusion you got to keep checking yourself we do that often all the time i think it's it's like we're following god and we're confident but then there comes that time where Okay, we haven't done a self-check for a while. Are we following God or are we on some delusion here? Not, not, che- not, te- not doubting the existence of God, but doubting our, our calling, doubting our position as we're moving down this invisible road of life. And it's like you, you think you're following God, but every once in a while you've got to stop and go, and you do kind of a self-evaluation, look for some, not, not necessarily evidence, but just some confirmation that, Maybe we made a, a wrong turn somewhere. We've got to go back and recorrect our course. Uh, and so that I think Moses would have done that. But he, in the wilderness, s- stayed on course. He didn't come back to Egypt early, apologize, go on all the talk shows and try to explain, you know, you know the, to the cancel culture why he did what he did. Uh, he just like, okay, no, I know what's happening here. And just, you know, maintain because, uh, again, uh, by faith he left egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered because he saw him who is invisible now the next verse verse 28 goes now it's 40 years in the future again now he's leading the exit or i guess it, he'd be 80 years old be the, the beginning of the third third trimester of his life by faith he left the pa- he, he by faith he kept the passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And that would be, again, instituting the Passover. And that, that ends our discussion about Moses in Hebrews. The next verse is, By faith the people who he led out passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Then verse 30, uh, By faith the walls of Jericho fell. Now we're in 14... Uh, 06 bc so that is what we have in that chapter uh about moses let's go to exodus and read uh well let's go to acts let's go to acts please and and read acts uh, let me see if i can find it here it's stephen's speech uh is it's chapter seven i believe it's just a, a little passing comment about moses oh yeah there it is chapter seven verse 35 Oh, we got to go. We got to go back to verse twenty-five. Oh, how far back we got to go? Oh, we're gonna spend the rest of the week in in Acts now. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, 
Acts chapter 7, verse 17. If you're listening online, you maybe want to just you know, pause it and go find something else because we're going to be in Acts now for a couple weeks. Acts chapter 7, verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the num- this is Stephen speaking to the crowd right before he gets, or speaking to the Sanhedrin, right before the Sanhedrin takes him out and stones him. And he's recounting their history. He's, it's kind of cool because he's doing, uh, in a sense, what Josephus is doing, but he's summing it up. He's, he's telling them, they want him to explain. And he basically goes through their whole history and says, this is all the things that happened to get us to this point, and we're at this point, and this is the time for the Messiah to come. But just like you rebelled against Moses and you rebelled against the prophets, you've rebelled against the Messiah. He says, this is exactly what your forefathers did. You're, you're, you're exactly where you should be. You're in a state of rebellion. At that point, they stoned him, uh, generally speaking. Okay, so here we go. Um, He's talking, he's in the middle of his speech, chapter 7 is his whole speech. Uh, And again, Saul, the Apostle Paul, was there watching this event. He was some kind of in a leadership position. And so this would be one of the people that he, you know, would remember having stoned or supporting the stoning of. Okay, verse 17 of Acts chapter 7. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. That's after Joseph was there. Then another king... This would be the Thutmose family, who knew nothing about Joseph, became ruler of Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. Now, that's, you know, that's in Exodus. Something like that's recorded in Josephus. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. And if you got a footnote there, uh, the footnote in my NIV says, was a fair, fair in the sight of God, but he was no ordinary child. So every, Josephus talks about it. The writer of Hebrews talks about it. Stephen talks about it. We got all these babies, but there's one that was unique. Now, it may just be he was the one chosen, but Josephus makes it a little bit bigger than life. Almost, you know, again, you got to decide when, when Josephus is fabricating. But again, Moses was very unique. No ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for in his father's house. And that agrees with Exodus, the Hebrews, Acts, and Josephus. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. And that would be Hafshetzit, and we can talk about that in a moment. Moses was educated in this is a great line right here. It's very useful. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. Now you've got that 40-year window of Moses. He's educated in all the wisdom of Egypt. A lot of it would have been religious training. You know, the gods, the worships, all the, the deities. But it would have been military training. It would have been, you know, how to how to function in royalty the the, uh, court behavior court etiquette he would have been trained in all he wasn't a shepherd he was a a royalty trained in the royal practices he was comfortable in a leadership position uh and all the wisdom of egypt and what and not just was educated it it can you can go to school get all the education but then you get out and you just kind of putter out and all you can do is flash i got a degree this person, Moses, had the background, had the training, had the education, had the degrees, but then went out and became powerful in speech, you know, like a politician, a great orator, 
but at the same time, in action. He's not just talking the talk. He's doing stuff. So for 40 years, you've got this man absorbing Egyptian knowledge and wisdom, court etiquette, and then going off and speaking to not just individuals, but that would be the case, but to groups, and then doing things, great acts of service, of production. He's, he's educated, he's speaking, he's working, he's producing. When Moses was 40 years old, Stephen says, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. So when it says being mistreated, that's probably more than just, you know, mouthing off to him in the parking lot or something. He must have been doing something we'd kind of consider in a violent way uh, that justified in Moses' mind him eliminating this person uh, from uh, his position. Uh, he went in defense of the, and avenged him for the ki- by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own... Now, this is a very great line right here. This is huge. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. So Moses has been sitting on this festering knowledge of Christ, the promise of Abraham, his position, and trying to... He's got faith, and he understands what God's doing, but he's looking at this. Here's this great promise. Even he probably would have known the 400-year prophecy, and it's time. It was even the court, the, the priests in the court were talking about the 400-year prophecy, apparently, because that's why they're throwing the babies in the water. And he's got this promise. It's, it's the right time. I'm in the right place. These are the people. And just, it's, it's pretty simple, and we've all done this. I know I have. You take this number, one or two, and this number, two, two plus two, and you put your logic together, two two plus two plus two and you get 10 it's ready it's done it's like what well, i and you thought you added it right but it's like and moses probably he thought in this situation it's time i am going i'm in this position as royalty i'm a hebrew i trust the promise these people it's time for their deliverance i'm gonna go down and show them hey I'm on your side, let's make a move. So he is, in a sense, jumping ship from the Egyptians at, at somehow, at some level. He's making a conscious decision. I'm making my move. I'm going to go. <laughs> he's going to trust the people. He's going to leave the Egyptians and go to the people of God. I am here to help you. And it, it was kind of like crickets. It's like, oh my gosh. And they're like, get out of here. You're trying to betray us. You're, you're, you're not who you are. We don't need your help. We can do it ourselves. Or whatever they were saying. And he's like, do you understand what I just did? <laughs> I just left the royal palace, came to your deliverance, just like the Bible's. I'm, now, this would have been him process. I'm following God's prophecy. I'm following the word of God. I'm citing, I've got faith in the promise. I'm doing the thing that you should do. If I'm in this position, I should help the people. And they didn't want any help. They, they like, and he's like, oh my gosh. And that's when he ran. Because it's like, I can't go back. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to come up in the news tomorrow. There's a big uh, scene down there where I'm telling him I'm going to set him free and stuff. Uh, we just got to kind of, it's like, man, we can't cover that. We can't, it's like, you're going to have to go. <laughs> and so 
It's like putting up a blog or a post or something. It's like, oh, can I delete that? It's like, uh, no, everybody's already reposted it. It's like, it's, oh. And so he's, his, his speech, his, if there's a video, someone with a, with, a, with a camera, he's out here, your father's and my father has received a promise from God that he'll set us free in the fourth year. I am that deliverer. I am here to set you free. We will walk out of here and go to the promised land that the Lord promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're like, what? We're slaves. we got to finish this project. Get out of here. We have nothing to do with you. It's like, did you record that? Did you post that on Facebook? Is that on Twitter? It's like, oh, my gosh. And he sunk. It's like his, his career as a politician is as an Egyptian royalty, and he flees. Okay, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. I mean, the 400-year prophecy... The Egyptians have killed all the babies. He's, one of, he's the one male baby from that generation that lived through it, and he's in royalty. And the royal, the royal house just walked down and says, I'm going to help you. The 400th year, the right generation, the right power base, we've got the word of God, let's do this. I don't think so. And Moses is frozen. The next day Moses came up on two Israelites who were fighting he tried to reconcile them by saying, men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? Meaning it's like, we're, we're all in this together. Why are you guys fighting? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and says, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? I saw that on Twitter. When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian. He fled because he knew the Israelites were not going to receive him. He fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and had two excuse me had two sons after 40 years and there's this time had two sons watching the sheep after 40 years had passed an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai and that now you're getting into that area where the Lord appeared to him but it was actually an angel it could be the angel of the Lord manifestation of the second member of the Trinity but then you also have angels doing the work of God so as we've talked about sometimes god does something but it's the son who's there doing the work but then when it's actually described it was angels doing the work but when you actually look at it historically it was a scientific event that you can see that took place it's like so it was a natural event caused by angels inspired by the son of god fulfilling the word of god that so it's like none of it's like they all four like a chain they all god says it the lord does it the angels respond and the natural event takes place it's like, so, oh, that was just natural. And now if you follow the chain, it goes right up to God's throne. And so, same thing here. The Lord appeared to him, it's Yahweh, but it says it was an angel. When Moses heard the, okay, uh, after 40 years of flame, when he saw this, he, went, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to look more closely, at, he heard the Lord's voice. Uh, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Now this is, he's 80 years old now. This is him 40 years later as an 80-year-old. Finally, God is like saying, okay, we're ready. It's like, well, where you been? been? I was ready 40 years ago. Then the Lord said to him, take off your sandals. The place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free now come i will send you back to egypt now this time he's going back in the power the first time it was the power of moses the authority of egypt which sounds good 
I mean, he's got the authority of Egypt. He's got the backing of the palace. He's the mighty man in, in word and deed and education. I'm here to set the people free. But God says, yeah, not yet. 40 years later. Now, now watch. Now God says, now I'm sending you back to Egypt. Now we're going to do it. But the, again, this is a great story. This is the same Moses whom they had rejected with the words, who made you ruler and judge? Well, he's going back. Well, God did now. First time, I did. He would say, who made you ruler and judge? Well, I decided I will do it. Now he's going back. Who made you ruler and judge? Well, the Lord did. He was sent to be their ruler and deliver by God himself. Through the angel who appeared to him in the bush, he led them out of Egypt and did wondrous and miraculous signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the desert. This is that Moses who told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people. Now, now Stephen now spins this story into his own time in, uh, say, 30, 30 A.D., in that time, 30, yeah, probably 30 A.D. This, was that, this is that Moses that told the Israelites, God will send you a prophet like me from your own people uh speaking of jesus and that's where stephen ties us now into that prophet was jesus and you killed him uh, and that's where that that story is. let's go back to exodus now please exodus chapter 2 and exodus chapter 1 is just kind of talking about the oppression uh verse 6 you know joseph chapter 1 verse 6 joseph and all the brothers and all the generation died but the israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them that would be what we talked about uh last week we saw on the 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 map and some diagrams avaris the city of avaris which is in goshen which is pretty clearly a, a semitic city of these asians that had come down uh and then they died and now then a new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become much too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them. We're in Exodus chapter 1, verse 10. And now I'm going to take this right here, the notes. And what we've got here, and again, I, this is good or bad, uh, you know, I hope we've said something useful so far today reading through the text of Scripture uh, that, that you can use or enjoy or put into practice. But right here, this is not, these are not fables. These are not fabricated. This is not just legend. This overlaps historical events. And so you've got Joseph who's going to be, uh, you know, Jacob comes down, and the whole family, Joseph, and then he's going to Manasseh and Ephraim. And that's going to, Manasseh, Ephraim, we'll put those up as a generation. And then you're going to have generations coming down, and then you're going to come to Moses' generation. But sometime in here, there's, after Joseph, there's a, a shift of power. There's an overthrow. Uh, j- just like if it, it be, uh, you know, the Babylonians overthrowing the Assyrians or the Persians overthrowing the Babylonians. This would be within Egypt, a power, and there'd be people groups coming from the, uh, the, the, the Hicksaws, the Semitic people coming down, ruling. Uh, you've got people coming from the south, up, the Cushites ruling. You've got people coming in from the desert, Libya, coming and ruling. And, and they have, they're different types of rulers in Egypt. It's not just a continuous rule. Egypt is a continuous land, 
but sometimes the people group that their people get overthrown and joseph came into egypt at a time where the pharaoh was positive is their type of people they they, they accepted them in they, they adjusted easily uh, and here's what I got written down. In 1560, the 18th dynasty established by Amenhotep. So we're going to, if you don't mind, very quickly, 1560, uh, Amun is the, is the first great Hatop. Uh, he drove out the foreigners, and the foreigners would be uh, the Hicksaws. Uh, they would be a, a Semitic and Asian-type people that would be similar, not exactly, but similar to uh, Joseph and his people. Now they're invaded. A new power rises up. A general rises up, and he overthrows. And there's a great war. Drives these people out. Uh, Joseph's people remain in Goshen, and this is this is seen in Ar- Avaris. Uh, it was a, they spread out, very pop- populated, very prosperous, healthy people, and then all of a sudden. The, the, it changes. The, the graves, the tombs, the body remains change to being malnutrition. They, become, they die younger. There's oppression. And there's a change right here at Avaris. Now, we don't know. I mean, it, it does, it's not saying this is Joseph's house. This is where the 12 tribes settled. It, it, nothing like that. But you, it matches history, matches the biblical account, and Egyptian uh, 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 history. Uh, he drove out the foreigners, assisted by his son, Thutmose I. Now, he's got a son, Thutmose. Thutmose I. Now, there's going to be Thutmose I, Thutmose II, Thutmose III. Now, Thutmose I is a, a great leader. He establishes some things. Now, just get this in mind. Thutmose I is going to have a daughter named, I can't spell it. It's going to be here somewhere. Have, I just, yeah, Hat. Hafshet, and it's still going to spell it right, Hafshetzit, okay? Uh, one of the great pharaohs of history, uh, 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 one of the great leaders of Egypt. I, I read a couple books about her. Uh, very impressive person. She's Thutmose I's daughter. So her grandfather was Amenhotep, the one who drove out the Hyksos, the Asian people, the Semitics, and set up his own dynasty, now they're going to start getting very serious about building in the, the Valley of the Kings. Down, it'd be in southern, southern Egypt, what they'd call Upper Egypt, because it's, you know, on the other side of the equator, it's up the river. Uh, the Valley of Kings, her, her tomb is impressive. All these guys have been found, you know. This is pretty, this is, this is very solid information, historically. How it correlates with the Bible I think it, it, it's a, a, a good match. This is all going to change. If I, I'm going to have the Exodus take place in 1446 B.C. If you go with a 1250 or 1200 B.C., this is not the right match. This is losing favor more and more. I don't think this is the right date. This is the, the late Exodus. This is the early Exodus. No one really knows which one is correct. I've always held to this one, and I've gotten stronger and stronger, and archaeology and history continues to confirm this. I think this is the right date. Bible confirms this date. When it talks about uh, the temple was built, uh, you know, 400 years, i got to think of the verse in Psalm, 400 and some years, 430 years after the Israelites came out of Egypt, it doesn't, where you've got to throw that verse out if you use this date. 
it matches perfect with this date. So I, I've got biblical support, historical support. I mean, I'm talking about my own position. If someone wants to debate me, uh, that's what you should do. You should question. But anyway, that, this 1446 Exodus uh, matches 